0: Well, hello, and welcome to Passion Community Church Online. I'm Mark Tapscott, your online campus pastor, and I'm glad that you're joining us today. Now, here we are. It's the first Sunday of February. January was an amazing month, wasn't it? Now, I know many of you experienced 21 days of prayer with us, and we all learned how important prayer is in our lives. Now, here in Virginia, we had some snow in mid-January, but the month ended with temperatures more like springtime. And now here we are in February. February. I don't know what to expect out of the weather, but I can tell you that PCC has a lot happening around our church, and February will be just as amazing as January was. You can visit the events page on our website to see all that's going on at PCC in February. But first, here are just a few things before the service begins that will help you get the most out of your time with us today. Now, the first thing is we would love to have you join us in the chat section of the service. You see, we love being able to greet you and Hope you get the most out of the service. But to do that, you need to sign in. Now, if you look at the top of your screen, you should see a button that says, sign up. Now, if you've already created an account, it will say sign in. So when you sign up, you get to create a name so that others know who you are. And then when you sign in, you'll be able to see the chat box where we are posting information for you and you can correspond with us. You can ask us questions or just say hi to the others that are in the service too. It's kind of like the atrium of a physical campus, a place to hang out and enjoy the time with others who are attending the service with you. You'll also see our amazing chat host. You can have a private chat with a host at any time simply by clicking on the prayer button. This opens up a a new window for you and the host so you can talk without taking you away from the service. Now, another way to let us know that you're here is by submitting a connect card. You can do that on our website, or if you've signed in, you can just click on the link in the chat. Connect cards are a great way to let us know that you are ready for more information or that you want to be connected. It only takes a minute to fill one out, so go ahead and fill one out before we get started. Now, that's another advantage to signing in. You'll be able to see the links that the host post in the chat that make it easy to navigate to the information that we're talking about. And don't forget to join our Facebook group before you leave. Each campus has their own Facebook group where we connect during the week and we do life together that way. If the online campus is your home, we would love to have you join our group. Just search Passion Community Church online campus on Facebook. So that should be enough information to help you get the most out of the time with us today, but we just want you to know that we want you to enjoy our service and let you know that we're here to help you in any way that we can. You know, everyone begins the new year with some measure of promise. Promise that 2024 will be different or better in some way. But without commitment, better becomes a function of luck. So let's not leave anything to luck. Let's be committed. Let's go all in. And today is week two of our series called All In, where we'll talk about five major areas areas of your life that are worthy of commitment in 2024. So let's go ahead and join the service that's just about to start. And I'll see you in the chat.
1: New Year's If you're not less than one, then you have been. So you know that we count down from 10 when exciting things are about to happen, which we're about to do together right now. So join us, here we go. Nine, Nine, eight, eight, seven, seven, six, five, five, four, three, three, two, one. Let's do it.
2: (laughs) All right, welcome to church wherever you are. Let's sing it out, here we go.
3: Out of the grave break into the wild and don't be afraid run into wide open spaces graces waiting for you dance like the weight has been lifted graces waiting where
4: the spirit of the lord spirit
3: At the sound of Jesus' name. Lives meet home, hearts awake at the sound of Jesus' name. Come on!
0: Chains will
4: fall, prison shame.
2: Every season we praise and we remember that Jesus has been faithful. Listen, I give you glory.
1: It's so awesome to hear you guys sing back there and on the way out because there's so many of you. You're loud. It's awesome to worship with you guys. And just so you know, there are still some people coming in. So be on the lookout. If somebody maybe needs a seat, maybe you guys can slide and let somebody in. Just know that's happening. But guys, whether you're praising God for what he's already brought you through today or you're praying for a breakthrough right now in your life, God has made a promise to each and every one of us. And I want you all to internalize that and know that he is with you, and He's never going to stop being there. We want to thank you for being here to help us declare that today. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Welcome to PCC. If you haven't already heard that, I'm Tanner Iglio, and I am so grateful that you decided to spend an hour of your time with us today. If you're new here, we'd love to help you get more involved if you'd like to, and the best way to do that is to fill out a Connect card, which you can do by uh, using a QR code near you, which is on the back of some chairs, or you can fill out a physical copy in the atrium on your way out after the service. And speaking of being involved and engaged here, I've got something exciting to tell all of the dads out there. We got any dads or father figures in the room? Anywhere? Yeah, okay. Some excited ones love to hear it. Me as well. Me as well. Uh, but coming up, We have an event that you don't want to miss. It is the Father-Daughter Ball. It's our annual one. It's happening on Friday, February 23rd. It's going to be at our Midlothian campus. So make sure you guys register for that. You can do that online. We want to be prepared for you. Daughters of all ages and father figures of all kinds are welcome because this dance is always amazing. And one of the things that I love about it is a couple years back, one of the first times we ever did it, uh, my wife, Molly, she volunteered to be Elsa Uh, as part of the dance. And you guys may know this story, you may not, but she was here and that was right when Frozen was like the biggest movie in the country and Let It Go was a huge song. So of course we played it at the dance. It comes on and every little girl in the room looks at my wife and is like, never had like seen the movie like once maybe and doesn't sing in public. So like all of them are like waiting expectantly. And so, uh, you know, she's super smart. She hit him with the you guys sing it, you know, and so it works out, it works out, I I, I appreciate that, but I love that, so make sure you guys sign up for that if you're interested, February 23rd uh, on a Friday at the Midlothian campus, and now coming up next week, it's Super Bowl Sunday in the NFL, but we also have something exciting, we like to consider it our Super Bowl, one of the most exciting things we do around here, baptism, February 11th, yes, we're super stoked about that, So that is next week. We have a Powhatan Campus Baptism, which means it's gonna be in this room right after third service. And so if you're interested in being baptized, you can fill out a form online. You can search baptism on our website. You can fill that out. You'll hear from me this week about that. But also, even if you're not getting baptized or know someone who is, you are more than welcome to come be a part of that moment for people because it's awesome. We celebrate big time and it's always a blast. So come join us after third service to celebrate others declaring that Jesus is the Lord of their life. And last week, we kicked off a series called All In, where we're talking about commitment, because we believe that you become what you're committed to. And we believe that one of the best things that you can be committed to is your faith. And you don't have to go far to find someone who, whose life has been changed by making the decision to go all in here at PCC. But it's not just people who are in this room or who are watching online who've gotten to experience that it's actually happening behind prison walls in Virginia as well. Every week, our prison ministries pastor, Rob Tofert and a team of volunteers, they do church inside the Virginia Correctional Center for Women and the Nottoway Correctional Center for Men, if you didn't know that. And it's awesome to hear stories that come out of there. Recently, one of those stories was about a man in Nottoway who was impacted by one of the messages that we did about prayer. After hearing this particular message, he said, I had no idea how to pray, and I was terrified of, of doing it but I didn't realize how easy it could be. So when he said that, Pastor Rob requested for this man, how about you pray right here? And and the man, he just prayed right there on the spot. He just experienced this and now he has this vibrant prayer life with Jesus where his life can be changed because of that moment. And whether you know it or not, you are a part, you are a huge part of making that life change happen. Because when you give here, You make it possible for us to go into places like Knottaway and VCCW. You're helping those men and women learn about how they can have a relationship with God, a personal relationship that includes life-changing prayer. So if you're already giving, we wanna say thank you because we try to tell you all the time, but it matters. And it is impacting people in the kingdom of God. And if you'd like to start being a part of that today, you can do so safely and securely online through our website, or you can drop a physical donation in one of the boxes on your way out. But regardless, we want to take a moment to pause and pray because God makes all of those things happen when we're faithful with what he's given us. So would you guys bow your heads with me? God, it's amazing to think that we get to be a part of what you are doing. You've gifted us with so many things. We're so blessed. And when we give some of those things back, you do even more with those resources for other people. So God, we just acknowledge your goodness, and we say thank you for letting us be involved. God's in your name that we pray, Amen. I invite you guys to stand back up and continue worshiping with us.
5: Here is where I-
2: make room for you now this is where we lay it down God we ask that you would do whatever you want to Lord speak to us help us to hear what it is you have for us today God and may only your name your name alone be glorified and made for famous God we love you Go ahead and have a seat.
6: You to think with me about the most important jobs out there anywhere, the most consequential roles in the world, the kind of job that actually changes and alters people's lives. Years ago, in the days following a national election, I was watching the president-elect at the time do this press conference, and he was taking questions from reporters And he had won the majority of the votes, and he was preparing to take office, but he had not yet been sworn in. So he was the incoming president, right? But he was not the president yet. Anyway, some reporter asked him some question about his thinking on the economy, and his answer was a single sentence, just a few words, and it sent the stock market into a total tailspin. He had had to actually come back a few minutes later and retract what he had said just to stabilize the chaos. So there's no doubt about it, regardless of your affiliation or your political bent, that the job of the president and the president-elect is really important. How about a doctor? Years ago, I woke up in the middle of the night out of a dead sleep in the worst pain I have ever had. Something had gone horribly wrong in my neck and I could find no position where I could get comfortable at all. I could find no position that would offer relief from the pain. Excruciating is the strongest word I've got, but it was worse than that. I told Susan in the moment, I don't care what childbirth was like, this was way worse. (laughs) Fellas, in case you're wondering, that is not the thing to say, even when you're in worse than excruciating pain. Anyway, it's a long story, and it involved a few stops along the way. But I finally ended up in Joey Kim's office, a renowned orthopedic surgeon who I didn't know at the time, but he became a friend. He expedited the MRI and all of the insurance bureaucracy, and he skillfully removed the herniated uh, disc from my neck, and he gave me an upgrade and implanted this plate and eight titanium screws. And most of all, he gave me my life back. So the job of a doctor, especially one who really cares about her patients and is skilled in their field and their specialty, that job is really important. Now we could go on. I I could make the case that the framer that put the bones of your house together and and the mechanic that gets your car running and the chef who cooks your anniversary dinner, and the technician who keeps Facebook working all have jobs that are really important. You know, let's take back the Facebook dude. (laughs) The world would be better without him. Anyway, the, the, the point is that there are lots of jobs that make people's lives better. They're really important. But there is one job that is more important than all the rest. I would argue that it's more important than the presidency or a cancer researcher or a first responder, as important as those roles are, because this job, it holds the literal future of the next generation in its hand. This is what I'm talking about. She was just a few days old there. You can't quite see it in the picture, but she's got her hand wrapped around my finger, which is sort of the way she lived the rest of her life. This is my son, Daniel, the next kid that came along, and then Joshua. I had a beard twice in my life. Susan hated it. The two loneliest seasons of my life, if you know what I mean. Those days are over now. I, I loved being a dad and raising these kids. And with the arrival of each one of them, I had this renewed sense of the profound responsibility that God had entrusted to me and to Susan. No one else on the planet got selected by God to have more influence over these three people for the first two decades of their lives. And those two decades would be the most formative for the whole of their lives. So I think about it like this. You you gotta get elected to have the influence of the president. And you got to be selected by an entrance committee to go to med school and have the influence of a doctor. And you got to go through years of training to have the influence of a teacher. But to be a parent, technically speaking, all you've got to have is biology. And I'm not talking about the class. Unless you adopted your kids, which makes you just as much a parent as anybody else. But beyond the technical contribution that you make as a mom or a dad on a higher level, the influence of a parent is imparted on you by the decision of God himself. He looked across the span of billions of people, and he decided that we were to raise that kid and that kid and that kid. My job as a parent, our jobs as parents, are not just to get our kids to adulthood alive, but to get them there well, healthy, and respectful of others, and good citizens, and knowing who God is, and loving Jesus. So time out for just a second. In this series, what we're talking about is going all in on the things that are most important, because Maybe you've heard this before, you become what you're committed to. So if you want to have a great marriage, and if you want your finances to be a source of joy and not anxiety, and if you want to own your calendar instead of it owning you, and if you want to be the best parent to your kids, and if you want to be a person of deeper faith, all of those things require only a true all-in commitment for you to achieve them because you become what you're committed to. When it comes to parenting, I've never met a parent who didn't want to be good at it, but I've met many parents who thought they were falling short. So there's a gap between the parent that sometimes we think we should be and the parent that we think we are. And it would be naive to believe or to claim that I could close that gap in a half an hour or so, but I think I can help us move the needle a little bit, get us moving a little more in the right direction The work of becoming a great parent isn't something you can delegate, only you can do it. But you can do it. You can become a great parent if you're committed to becoming a great parent, and that's what I wanna help you do today. Underneath of solid parenting is this philosophy uh, that comes from a famous and often misunderstood proverb, this one here, direct your children onto the right path, and when they're older, they will not leave it. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they're older, they will not leave it. Now, the reason this is often misunderstood is because people read it like it's a promise. And people get mad at God because they say, well, I did this, and then it didn't happen because they think this is a promise. In fact, it's been taught by well-meaning preachers and church leaders through the years like it's a promise, but I'm telling you this is not a promise. It's more like... Stacking the odds in your favor. Most of the Bible's Proverbs, you know there's a whole book called Proverbs, most of them are less absolute cause and effect guarantees and more if you do this, you will raise the probability of an outcome. So this would better be translated something like direct your children onto the right path and when they're older, there is a greater likelihood that they will stay on that path or return to that path. But that's kind of clunky isn't it? Probably disqualifies it from being a proverb because proverbs kind of have an air of poetry about them. Still, the question is, the question for us is, what does it mean to direct your children onto the right path? I want to help you with that today. And in the process, you might be thinking, well, this won't apply to me, but here's the truth. We're going to hit all the seasons that many of us are in today, from parents of small kids all the way to if your kids are grown and and have moved out of your home. So whether you have kids, and even if you don't have kids, I also want you to lean in because this is probably going to help you one day. There are four major stages of parenting, and each one requires a bit of a different strategy and philosophy in order to direct your children onto the right path. So stage one is the stage of caregiving. You know what this stage is, right? It's the stage of of babies and rocking chairs. It's the era where they get on the floor and they're rocking on all fours, their hands and their knees. They're intrigued by something that's just inches away from their face, right in front of them, and you're on the floor with them, sprawled out, eye level with them, smiling in anticipation, and you're saying something like, you go, you got this, you can do this, you can crawl, go get it. But moving, that's the unknown. And the stability of remaining where she is, it just feels safer. And so she rocks back and forth and you think she's moving her eyes, get big, and then she lets them all go in all four directions. And now she's rocking on her belly and laughing. So you scoot the stuffed animal all the way over to her, the one she was trying to get, and you tell her she did a great job. The caregiver stage is one of total dependence, right? Hence the name, And we know this part. This is the part that involves feeding and diaper changing and baths. They're totally helpless without care. But spiritually speaking, this stage is also foundational. It's well documented now. You probably know this part that babies in the womb hear and identify with the voices of their parents, especially their moms for for obvious reasons, but also their dads. I used to talk to my kids before they were born. Sometimes I would read to them. Often I would pray for them. We were not strangers when they entered the world. They already knew us. They already knew the sound of our voices because we were intentional about that. And here's the thing. If it's true for babies with their biological parents, why would it not be true for babies and their heavenly parents? We read them books as babies and toddlers. We teach them our language. We teach them to recognize colors and shapes and animals. And if it's not too soon for that, when they're infants, why is it too soon to teach them about spiritual truth? Truths like God made the colors and the shapes and the animals. Truths like God made them and God loves them and Jesus wants to be their forever friend. We know, we know that infants don't understand all the words we say to them, but we say them anyway, because we know that they'll get it over time. So during the caregiver stage, a part of directing your child onto the right path is not just meeting their physical needs, it's also meeting their spiritual needs too. And it's part of why, you might not know this, that we pray over and do some kind of Bible teaching with every kid in every age group, beginning with infants every Sunday here at our church, because it is never too soon to direct your children onto the right path using spiritual truth. Don't skip over the caregiver stage thinking it's just about getting them to the place where they can understand. They understand more than you think, and they'll understand spiritual truths too. The next stage is COP. Stage two is you are a cop. Now, you know what a cop does, right? A cop enforces the rules, among other things. You break the rule, you pay a price. You break the rule and lie about it, you pay a greater price. I've always found, most of the time, police officers to be reasonable if I just tell them the truth. Now, I might not get out of it, but but they're going to be reasonable. Not make a bunch of excuses and some tall tale of far-fetched circumstances Because, you know, I could just say, I just forgot. Or, I don't know what I was thinking, but you're right, I was speeding. Because cops are trained to know when you're lying. And in case you don't know this about me, I am a terrible liar. I already know that. Why even try? Not only are cops trained, but parents are trained. It's just born into us. We just know how to know when our kids are lying. So it's in the cop stage of parenting when kids learn right and wrong. This is where they learn right and wrong. Now look, this is a disclaimer. When you leave church today, you get to parent your kids however you want. If what I'm teaching you about what I think the Bible is saying, my philosophy on parenting, if that doesn't jive with yours, it's totally okay. Please don't send me an email. You just do what you do. You just do you. That's a preface because somebody's going to be unhappy with me in about five seconds there's another proverb that says this. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. Let me translate that a little, a little differently. There's a path before each person that seems right, but it's not. It's not right. It's wrong. And when we combine this proverb with the, the truth of Proverb 22:6, which says, direct your kids to the right path path, you can easily get a solid biblical foundation for this reality. There is a right and there is a wrong. And our job as parents, especially in the cop phase, is to teach your kids the difference between right and wrong. I'm not talking about preference. I'm not talking about personal preference. Permit me a bit of a tangent. There are two kinds of people in church today. There are the start the dishwasher only when it's jam-packed Fuller's. And there are the run it every night even if it's emptier's. You know who you are. Don't raise your hand, right? I'm the former. Susan is the latter. I just cannot understand why we're running the thing, hot water, heated, dry, two hours of electricity, when there are two glasses on top, a plate and three spoons on the bottom. Drives me crazy. Now, Susan will tell you that when you do it my way, the thing is so jam-packed, crowded, full, that not all the dishes get clean. My rebuttal is we're going to save $12.06 this year. So what if we have to wash a couple of forks? Now, the truth is, the truth is, neither way is right and neither way is wrong. I'm asking you as friends not to tell Susan I said that. Because I keep telling her that she's wrong. But here, but this is in all seriousness. How you, well, your dishwasher loading philosophy is a preference. What this proverb is teaching about is actual right and wrong. And there's this parenting philosophy these days which seeks to eliminate or almost eliminate completely the word no. This is the part where somebody gets mad, you're pulling out your phone, you're you're getting ready to crank the email, save the email. The parent's job in the cop phase is to direct your kid onto the right path precisely by telling them no to what is wrong. Of course, the parent that says no to everything, that, that never says anything positive, there's something wrong with that too, of course there is. But part of directing your kid onto the right path is saying things like, no, we don't hit other kids. No, we don't throw our food. We direct them to the right path when we teach them to say, I'm sorry, what I did was wrong. When I hurt someone or hurt someone's feelings or when I misbehave. Life goes better for your kid later. When early, they learn right from wrong and the consequences of doing what is wrong. I could say a lot more about that. I had a whole spiel about consequences, but we have to move on. Stage uh, three is the stage of being the coach. Directing your kid onto the right path is about making them do the right thing and not allowing them to do the wrong thing in the cop phase you actually sort of make them do what's right and you prevent them from doing what's wrong to the extent possible and you have a lot of control in the cop phase. But stage three, the coaching phase, this is where parents make the subtle but critical shift from playing on the field with your kid to coaching them from the sidelines. Years ago, they needed a soccer coach for our youngest son, uh, Joshua, for their team and they were little kids. Like if you've ever watched this with little kids playing soccer, they don't play soccer. No one plays position. It's sort of like a mob of feet. It's like a cloud of kids just chasing the ball wherever it goes, except for the goalie. The goalie is in the goal picking flowers and observing nature until the ball gets near and all the parents scream her name and she stands at attention and you know, whatever. So I agreed, I said, yes, I'll coach, and and I spent every Saturday for three months yelling at the top of my lungs, running up and down the sideline, and it didn't matter at all. No one was listening. All I got from the deal was a scratchy throat and a weak voice that I had to nurse because church was the next day. This is how many of us feel during the coaching stage of parenting which is really the adolescent years. It begins around 13, there's no hard lines on this, but somewhere around when they become a teenager and it ends. It, it lasts all the way until they finish high school. So we think when we're in this phase that we're yelling, but no one is listening. All we get are rolling eyes and closed doors and AirPods turned up so they can tune us out. And sometimes, right, we get attitude and pushback and tears and frustration. And, and I, I know this is hard, But the truth is, it's a part of the process because coaching is critical to directing your kids onto the right path. See, here's the thing. And and listen up, if you checked out, this is really important. The coach doesn't play the game. He makes decisions that affect the game for the players who are actually in the game. The coach does not play the game she makes decisions that affect the game for the players who are actually in the game and those players are your, your kids, your teenage kids. So while you're not living your child's life at, when they're 14 years old, you might think you can make their decisions for them, you really can't. As the coach though, you do control some of the game time. You control some of the strategy and you influence how your child plays the game all from the sidelines. Not from the field. I think about it like the way that I taught my kids to drive. I got to teach all of my kids to drive, and I really, really enjoyed it, except when I thought I was going to die, which did happen frequently. But but here's the thing as the driving instructor, as the coach, if you will, you are not in the driver's seat, right? You're in the coaching seat, which is next to the driver's seat. You don't have your hands on the wheel, you don't have your feet on the pedals. You're not really in control of the vehicle and yet your voice really matters. From the coach's seat, I taught all of my kids the most important rule, stay in your lane. If a deer runs out in front of you and a car's moving in the opposite direction, stay in your lane. If the option is to hit the squirrel or careen into the ditch, stay in your lane. From the passenger seat, as the coach, I taught them not to let somebody else drive their car. I said, if somebody gets on your bumper, tries to get you to drive faster, don't you let them debate you into doing something dangerous. Don't let somebody else drive your car. You're the driver. From the passenger seat, from the coach's chair, I taught them that they were more important than the car. If the car gets damaged, but you come home, that's a win. We can replace that thing. The coaching era is critical because you are directing your child onto the right path while they walk the path and you speak into it. And what this means is that instead of telling your kid what to do all the time, you start helping them how to learn to make their own critical decisions. It's sort of a transition phase, and it's really important. Now, you've always got the ability to step in during the coaching phase if, if it means you, you're gonna keep them from doing something catastrophically bad, but otherwise, you let them stay on the field, and you coach them from the sideline through their options, teaching them critical thinking as a spiritual guide, praying for them and with them, as they learn to navigate decision-making for themselves. Moms and dads, if you do not make this turn to coaching from copying, from policing, you are making a crucial parenting mistake. Because part of directing your child onto the right path is teaching them to recognize the right path for themselves instead of just always telling them where it is and how to stay on it. That's what happens in the coaching stage. All three of our kids went to a a, a Christian school, a private Christian school. My daughter, our oldest, went from kindergarten to high school. She graduated from there. For us, this was uh, an important thing at the time. Our boys, though, they decided when they got to high school, they wanted a few more options, and they moved to public school when they got there. When our youngest, Joshua... When he got approached ninth grade, he said, I really wanna make this decision. I really wanna to move to the high school. Susan thought there might be something else going on. She, she didn't quite trust the motive. She wasn't sure why he was making this decision. She thought there might have been a girl involved or you know, some other ulterior motive. And so she says to me, I want you to handle it. And I said, Do you want me to handle it like do what you tell me to do, handle it? Or do you want me to actually, you know? Handle it. Y'all ever had that conversation? Anyway, that was last week. You can go back and watch last week. Anyway, so, so uh, she says, no, I want you to handle it. You just handle it. So I, I'll never forget this. It was, it was such an amazing experience for Joshua and for me. We, uh, I sat him down and I said, hey, listen, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you make this decision unless you tell me something that is completely you know off the wall. Like if there's a drug dealer involved, like I'm gonna take the decision away from you. But short of that, this is what I want you to do. You give me all of the information, like every component of your thinking, and I'm going to teach you how to do a cost-benefit analysis, and then I'm going to let you make the decision. I will not take the decision away from you. And he said, okay. So he told me everything he was thinking, and, and I taught him how these, there are some downsides to this decision on the cost side, and there's some, there's some pluses to it on the benefit side. We wrote them down. We stood back and looked at them we did this over a a period of time, not a long period of time. And after a while, I looked back and I said, do we have it all? Is everything here? Yeah, everything's here. I said, well, what do you think? He said, you know, I've I've given it a lot of thought. I think think I'm going to make this move. Excellent. In the process, what I taught him was that I respect his ability to make a decision and I taught him some critical tools for making the decision. And I taught him that I, I understood that he was growing up. I prepared him to make decisions for himself. That's what the coaching stage increasingly looks like as your kids uh, get close to adulthood. And then you get to the final stage, stage four, the consultant. Now, if you do the first three stages well, you might earn the honor of becoming your child's consultant. This is the era that we're in now with all of our kids because all of my kids are grown, they're all adults, and I am not entitled to be their consultant. I don't have a right to be the consultant. I earn it and I have to keep earning it or I will lose the job. And let me tell you, this is the sweet spot of parenting for me. I didn't see it coming, but it is the sweet spot of parenting for me. Our oldest is 33, Daniel is 29, and our youngest is 22. And I feel so incredibly honored to get invited to speak into their lives on their terms, not on my terms. Because that's what a consultant is. He or she is a trusted advisor. Guiding your children onto the right path is first about caring for them and then about making them do the right thing and preventing them from doing the wrong thing and then about coaching them uh, along the way on how to learn for themselves what to do and what not to do. And finally you get here and if you're fortunate and and, and you've done the first three pretty well, you probably get invited to offer them some counsel as they make their own decisions. My kids are all grown men and women. They are fully adults. They can make their own choices. They don't rely on me for life, but they do ask me for advice from time to time. And real quickly, I just want to tell you, there are some prerequisites for this stage and they're really important. I won't dwell on them, but just hang in there with me. The first prerequisite, if you want to remain a consultant for your adult kids is you have to cut the cord. Lots of parents keep paying for their adult kids' bills with no end in sight and no plan to cut the cord. And when you do that, the message that you send to your adult child is I don't think you're capable. I know that sounds harsh. I've just seen it happen a lot and I'm trying to help you. You can still do whatever you want when you leave church today, but they're dependent on you as adults because you won't let them be independent of you. They won't grow up and it's not entirely their fault. You're complicit. Now you're doing it with the right motive. I know your heart is in the right place. I'm trying to help. I love my kid, of course you do but often in the name of helping, you're really not. I told my kids, all three of them, I told them these words as they became adults. And as we weaned them off, I mean, I didn't just like drop them off on a curb one day and say, good luck to you. mean, you know, we weaned them off over time. And I said, listen, here's the thing. As long as I'm alive, you will never be homeless or hungry to the extent I can help it. That's my promise. If my kid needs food, of course I'm gonna make sure they're not, hungry. And if they have no place to go, of course, I'm not going to have them living on the street. But beyond that, as painful as it would be for the dad's heart in me, even if I had the money, my support would end with homeless and hungry. We don't let that happen other than that. And I'm not talking about helping your kids from time to time. Every parent wants to do that. We do that for our kids too. I'm talking about ongoing support that they can't live without. All of my kids live different lives today. They And they all don't line up lockstep with what their mom and I taught them. And that's okay because they're grown adults, but they do all live their own lives. Independent, critical thinkers, able to make their own choices. And that was not an accident. It was one of the few things maybe that went as we planned because we believe in our kids enough to let them become grown adults and make some of the mistakes that we made along the way too. I never say to my kids, uh, without them asking, I never just say, "You, you should do this or you shouldn't do that. I never offer that unsolicited. They all bought houses, they borrowed money, they made job choices, they made other critical life decisions. And sometimes they did that without my involvement at all. I never call and offer it. But they always know I'm available and sometimes they do call and they'll say, hey dad, could I get some advice from you? And when they do, I always start the conversation something like this. I say, I'm honored that you would ask me and I want you to know I support whatever it is you decide and I'd love to give you my input and thank you. Thank you for including me. I never get mad if they don't take my advice or if they go in another direction. I'm just glad to be one of their trusted voices. I'm just glad to be a consultant. There's so much more to say about this. And and I, I wanna pray for you, but before I do that, I wanna give you this one critical, really important word. It's over before you know it. It's It's over before you know it. If you're a parent and your kids are still at home, you're going to wake up tomorrow and they'll be gone. The next thing you know, it's just over. And what that means is that time really matters. You still have time to direct them to the right path. But if they're still at home, tick-tock, tick-tock. You've got to get this right right now. Forget about the past. You can't fix that. But whatever season you're in, focus on right now. Make the changes. Set the example and guide them to the right path so that you can raise the likelihood that when they're older, they'll stay on it or find it again. Now, I really want you to hear the closing song. I think it will help you. It's one of those songs you probably just want to listen to so you can stay seated. But before we do this last song, would you let me pray for you? God, we just want to thank you for the great privilege it is to be parents. Those of us who you entrusted with, with raising kids, I I don't know why you picked me for that job, but we're just so grateful. And for some moments along the way where maybe we've not gotten this right, I think, God, we could probably all say that. We we just want to thank you for filling in the gaps, for compensating for our weaknesses and our deficiencies. Most importantly, Lord, we want to recommit to you today to Direct our kids to the right path, whatever stage that means we're in. Help us to set the example, show them what it looks like to follow you, and help raise our kids in the way that they should go. Thank you again, God, for entrusting us with this great privilege. Make us great parents. We pray through the power and in the name of Jesus. Amen.
2: He didn't to wake up He'd been up all night Lying there in bed and Listening to his newborn Baby cry. He makes a part Splashes water on his face His wife gives him a kiss and says It's gonna be okay And it won't be like this for long One day soon we'll look back laughing At the week we brought her home This phase is gonna fly by So baby just hold on Won't be like this alone. Four years later, about 4:30, she's crawling in their bed, and when he drops her off at preschool, she's clinging to his leg. The teacher peels her off of him. He says, What can I do? Now don't you worry This will only last a week or two And it won't be like this for long One day soon you'll drop her off And she won't even know you're gone This phase is gonna fly by If you can just hold on It won't be like this so long. someday soon she'll be a teenager and at times he'll think she hates him then he'll walk her down the aisle and raise her veil but right now she's up and crying and the truth is, is he don't mind it as he kisses her goodnight she says a prayer never her, till their eyes are finally closed and just watching her it breaks his heart cause he already knows
0: You can direct your kids onto the right path by identifying and embracing what stage of parenting you're in. And when you do, you can go all in on your commitment to parenting well. Because the words of that song are true, it won't be like this for long. So focus on right here and right now. Thanks for being here today. Come back next week as we continue our All In series. We'll see you then.